Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of traveling around the world as a child. Time out, Austin, Jambui, William Grant and Sons, and so much more with today's guest, Aaron Kushner, editor at Time Out. Austin, the newest addition to publications here in the city, a print version, online version, and a great source to find out what things are happening inside of Austin to eat and to drink. Aaron and I got to sit and chat after the timeout Austin Bar Awards 2017, discuss the winners, discuss the panel, but really talk about her career in writing, how she has loved to write, loved to eat, loved to drink, and capture all of these experiences on the page and had an illustrious career in the writing industry, and now joins us just as of March here in Austin, Texas, writing about this wonderful scene we've got here. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Aaron Kushner of Timeout Austin. Um, is that every time we do them, we have people, bartenders who come up to me like, this is so exciting because I get to see all of my friends in yeah. one place. And so since it's such an, you know, an industry-focused event, it's just like everyone's, everyone's buddies, you know? And, and Everybody knew yeah. each other in that yeah. room. Yeah, so that was really cool. And that's, that's my favorite part, I think. How do you feel about the venue? I thought it was a lovely kind of new, modern... Yeah, I like the venue a lot. Um, you know, when I when I first moved here, it was South by, and I went to a oh, it, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> crazy. And I went to an event there, and I was like, man, if we could some at some point yeah. use this venue as a space for um, a timeout event, that would be sweet. And and I was super happy that we got it. So and it's just down the street from where you because you work out of this building. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, so you can was, go and check it out anytime you I want. I know it was great. It was great. Yeah, has the transition into what is stifling hate in Austin has that been a hard one for you oh man I hate to be that person who complains who yeah. just, <laughs> just moved here it's okay it's when like, you're prompted yeah, yeah no very true and the worst part is, is that I um I moved here without AC in my car oh, and I've no. just been putting it off and oh, so it's getting to the point where I really have to get that fixed because it's a little intense but you know some people like if you live in San Francisco, which I think you actually you lived in California. I lived in, yeah, I lived in San Francisco for you were doing wor- three and a half years. Work after college, I think, right? Like yes. Extended settings, which we'll talk about actually here shortly. Yeah. But there it's okay, so they don't get it. They right? don't get like, it, you yeah. Don't need a, you're fine. Just, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Totally fine. <laughs> you actually could die. Yeah, there was one point last weekend when it was like 100 degrees, and I was walking around, and I was feeling a little woozy, and I was like, oh, this is a health hazard. (laughs) It is. It's very treacherous. Yeah. But surprisingly, at the event last night with the ceiling fans and all the nice cocktails, I think things remained pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. When you talk about the panel and the judging panel, I know a couple people have friends that were on the Mm -hmm. panel. How did you go about assembling such uh, an assorted crew of people (laughs) and personalities? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
one of the most important parts, I guess, in, in assembling a panel like that is you have people from very different aspects of the industry. So yeah. bartenders, bar owners, bar writers. Um, you know, we had um, Jessica who <coughs> um, just started up her own absinthe yeah, company. Just, yeah. um, so it really, it was, it's important to get a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. We're contributing towards, you know, that discussion and talking about what's going on in the bar industry because if you have just bartenders there, you know, they... They, they obviously know a ton of what's going it's on, insular, but it's though. a little, yeah, it's pretty insular. So um, you want to get as many different perspectives as you can, and, and I think we definitely got that. Did you find that the, the crowd and the vibe's different than the event you threw out in L.A.? Um, yeah, you know, there's some, some similarities and some differences, but I, I, one thing that is true across, you know, both cities, and I think all the cities that we do, is there's such a friendly atmosphere it can be you know a little competitive but for the most part everyone's yeah. you know everyone's a family everyone's rooting for each other um there's no like oh i can't believe they won and i didn't kind of thing going on well you know it's weird don't you think that that's almost contrast what popular belief would tell us yeah right that everybody's yeah. so competitive and obviously we're just separating each other right right but it's great to hear that you find this kind of common thread of community yeah and i i think in part too it's you know a lot of bartenders have worked at you know, different bars. And oh, so yeah. they have friends at other bars and they're rooting for them and they're rooting for their former place of employment to yeah. succeed. And um, they all, you know, go out and, and have their own favorite bars. So Rising tide, just, right? Yeah, one big family and it's great. Have you noticed that as you've been in town just a few months now since March that mm-hmm. you've been pretty adopted and embraced by the culinary commuting, the cocktail community? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's another, I think, big difference Uh Everyone in Austin is so unbelievably friendly yeah. and kind, and you meet them once, and you know they're like, "Oh, let's like let's get together and go out for drinks at some point, or mm. give me your number. Like, I'd love to like show you around town." And it's uh, after just one meeting, and you know, uh, LA is a friendly place, but I cliquish, feel like right? it's a little clickish, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and when I moved here, I was just so um, appreciative and and honestly pretty blown away by just how great people are here and friendly and so do you find that the vibe of the same kinds of places you were visiting in LA whether it's a cocktail establishment or a restaurant Mm -hmm. how's the vibe differ or is it the same um you know they're both very casual places but casual in a different way yeah and I was thinking about that the other day and I'm not totally sure how to describe it I think in LA it's more like calculated casual so you know they there's like a casual vibe but it's very um planned out and we're gonna make this place super casual by using this silverware and these pillows and this color scheme and everything and here i feel like it's just a little bit more naturally casual sort of i don't know if that makes sense it does make sense um, it's not been whiteboarded out yeah you know it's just kind of how should this feel right exactly um, so, so that's a little bit, you know, and of course, like just everywhere having a patio is awesome. <laughs> well, back to the earlier point, right? right? Exactly. Maybe <laughs> to, not right now, to, but to a degree. as long as there are fans, you know, it's great. So yeah, it works pretty well. Yeah. Well, so there's a lot to talk about in terms of journalism and food writing and all of this, which mm-hmm. we'll get to and how you kind of ended up in this role with Time Out. But this all begins, where did you grow up? I was unable to kind of see... Um, yeah, I actually kind of have a, a little bit of a unique um, upbringing. My dad works for the Foreign Service, okay. so I grew up overseas in a oh. lot of different countries. Um, 
I lived in Beijing, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Kazakhstan, oh, wow. Hungary, and then a few places in the U.S. And never really more than three to four years. So I moved quite frequently. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. It was great. Keeps things fresh, I imagine. I'm sorry. Keeps things fresh. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and actually, that's I mean, that's kind of part of where my love of food came from. Is just I grew up in Swiss, so many different cuisines in my life. Yeah, I'm very and envious. trying new things and. Um, and so that's kind of like where that all started. But after, you know, I graduated from high school, I um, moved to Boston, went yeah. to Boston College and was there for four years. So <laughs> it begs the question, you know, well, so a couple of things. So first, moving that much, mm-hmm. I did the same thing, and regrettably in the States, I was always <laughs> doing it globally, but you have to count on yourself, you know, you have to constant because the only thing that stay was steady in that case is right. your family exactly so socially you're making new friends all the time it's hard to build those bonds that they probably had for decades and for you is that maybe where writing came into the forefront as a means to kind of express yourself or at least feel some kind of intimacy with something yeah i mean that's definitely i you know one way to look at it i i you know, I was always a big reader and writer, yeah. um, but I really loved writing about the places I was in oh, wow. and kind of um, making sense, sort of, of every place that I lived in through writing. What, what does that mean, making sense of? Well, you know, when you, when you move around, especially in the, I guess, the diplomat world, sort of, you, um, you're not, you're a foreigner, yeah. but you're also supposedly, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to immerse yourself in this culture, um, but you don't really have a place in either one of those you're, facets, It's a good point. You're sort of. outside looking in kind of thing? Yeah, so they call it actually being a third culture kid. Oh. And a third culture kid is when you have, there's the culture of your parents, uh-huh. there's the culture of the country that you're living in, and then there's your own kind of culture because you don't really fit into either one of those. Wow. So you're this whole, in a there's way, this whole like, movement of third culture kid That's amazing. Worlds. Um, but yeah, so I think writing definitely helped me out with that sort of and, yeah. um, you know, figuring out where I fit in sort of and, and how I was moving through that, all those experiences. When you think about how, how you probably had options anywhere, and I know Boston College is a great, great college. But why did you pick? Why did you? Why was that the place for you, Boston? I moved to New Hampshire when I was um, eight years old, mm. and I lived there from when I was eight to about twelve. And um, there's a an Air Force base near there where my dad worked for a little bit, and so that's why we were there. Mm. And we would always take trips to Boston. And Boston, for me, had this very idealized New England. Yeah. university culture that was what I had kind of always read about yeah. as, you know, a very, like, American thing, sort of. And so that really appealed to me. Um, and just being in, just being in New England was something that I wanted at the time. So, it's a lovely spot. It and is. You talk about food, man. Yeah. Food and rich culture and yeah. architecture and stuff. Yeah, it was great. But it feels like, you know, some people, when they come from a small town, which is the antithesis, really, of where mm-hmm. you came from, College becomes this place to act out. But for you, it seems like you probably would have had some level of maturity and just going to college is not that different. I mean, was it a, 
Did well, you let it all out? What, <laughs> what happened was I had the biggest culture shock of my life. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, I had never, <clears throat> I, you know, had moved around so much and, and had had culture shock in different forms. But mm. moving, you know, being away from your family at that age is already a little bit tricky. Yeah. Especially if that's the only stable thing that you've kind of had. That's a good point. Um, and then going into this world where you, for the first time in a long time, I looked like everyone else, I spoke the same language as everyone, but I like could not relate at all. And really? so I had, I had this massive culture shock and I hated my, I hate that's a strong word, I, got, I had a really hard time adjusting for the first couple of years, so much so that I decided to spend my junior year abroad in Rome for a whole year. Like wow. I just didn't, I just wanted to get away for a little bit. And then by the time, you know, my senior year rolled around, it was, I was feeling a little bit more stable, but it was a, crazy, a hard transition. Yeah, I mean, these are the kinds of things that, that compose us as people, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? These mm-hmm. kind of nuanced ways that we were brought up, and it's like, oh, maybe I'm not that social because of this, or I just don't get other people. Right. But you, it's, it's, I'm used to interviewing typically people that are in the hospitality industry, so they have this innate ability to care and be empathetic and mm-hmm. give to so many people. Whereas the creative people that have met authors, it's very, not to say you're introspective, but when it comes to being social, meeting new people, connecting with people in this humane way, mm-hmm. how did that kind of come across when you went to college? It's funny because I am, I'm certainly an introvert and yeah. I have a hard, you know, I, I, for a long time I had a hard time um, being social, but both uh, you know, going off to college, and then also this job has just kind of forced me into this extroverted introvert yeah. kind of role that I I never really envisioned would happen. Um, yeah, you have to interface with the media now. Oh yeah, all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. I really yeah. do. It's just you know, I still get nervous every time. I still. Um, we did well on stage yeah. last night. You Thank know? you, but I, yeah, was it, was, it, I was a little ner- insanely was nervous. Insanely Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little scary. So ultimately, is it safe to say that you pursued writing throughout your time, both abroad in Rome and then at Boston College? Yeah, I, you know, I've That's always wanted to be a writer. It's just, it was, I've never really thought about doing anything else. That's amazing. Um, and for, you know, for a long time, from as early as I can remember, I wanted to be a food and travel writer. Yeah. And so, um, you know, after school... Uh, I graduated in 2008, which was the worst time to graduate, oh. and the recession <laughs> yeah. hit, and I moved to one of the most expensive cities in the country, and um, and I, I couldn't get a job in, in writing or publishing for a long time, so yeah. I worked as a study abroad uh, counselor, kind of, Yeah. Um, and then I moved to LA, and I kind of started freelancing, I worked um, for Pasadena Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked for a, um, uh, like a B2B magazine for a little oh, while. Oh, business, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but I always, you know, I always love food writing, and I, so I did that on the side. I contributed to um, Clean Plates, which published reviews of, like, vegan and vegetarian restaurants, which is hilarious, because I'm not a vegan or vegetarian. Ask, yeah. That'd be real <laughs> tough, moving around all the yeah. time. <laughs> but, uh, but I loved it, and, you know, I, I did my own writing, and I contributed to a couple other publications, and um, I, you know, when I came across the position for a restaurant and bars editor for Time Out Los Angeles, I had, because Time Out is such a global company, yeah. I had, every city I lived in abroad always had a Time Out, and I 
you know, read it religiously. And so I was just so excited there was an opportunity to do that in L.A. When you think about the things that inspire you creatively, Mm -hmm. from writers perhaps, what kinds of things do you and can you go back to that you can always find some kind of inspiration in? Well, I like writing, so I'm, I'm big on writing nonfiction pieces and mm. particularly like personal essays and memoir type writing. Yeah. And so writing is a very, can be a very selfish act. You know, your inspiration comes from your own life, yourself, yeah. what you keep thinking about, what you keep going back to. Obviously, you know, your surroundings influence you, the places you live, your upbringing and everything. But for me, it's... I don't know, just the, just the kind of emotions and experiences that I think everyone has that mm. I can draw from and kind of help relate to people, but really just like my own, I don't know, my own experiences, which yeah. sounds, you know, do sort you, of obvious. But Do you think, <laughs> is, is it hard for you to have that original voice, to have that clear characteristic voice of your life? Harder than? Harder than people that maybe you're trying to find a voice. That the, in a way that the writing becomes a journey to find their voice, whereas it seems like maybe you have a clear sense of how you want to come across on the page. Oh, well, I don't know. I think it's all about kind of experimenting when you're finding your voice. And I yeah. think, you know, for um, it, when it comes to my personal writing, I think I'm definitely still kind of exploring uh, my own voice and, and how I want to come across. But it takes time. It does take time. Are you going to pursue a novel? At some point? Uh, I hope so. At some point. Yeah, that would be, that would, I mean, that's something I've definitely always thought about. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> the great American novel. I think it's always on everybody's radar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the great American haiku. That's Maybe. about where I, Maybe. that's about my level of Maybe I'm of going for the great American memoir. That would probably <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> so live a life worth living. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when we talk about food writing mm-hmm. and you talk about 2008, which obviously was a very difficult time for the writing industry and the publishing industry in general, you've been in it almost as a writer a while, but yeah. with time out, you know, for quite some time now. So, have you seen the quality of writing about food and cocktails? Have you seen it change and maybe became become more paparazzi esque? Does that make sense? Yeah, there's definitely an element to that, and I. Th- but in some, fa- in some ways, I think it's also gotten a lot better oh, as a reaction yeah. sort of to that. Um, it was extremely exciting starting kind of my, my food writing career in L.A. at yeah. the time that I did because L.A. right now and the food scene in L.A. right now is on everyone's mind. I mean, people are, I mean, it, pe- chefs are flocking to L.A. Yeah. because it's just not only is the produce there incredible, but it's also a lot easier to open a restaurant in LA than it is in, in New York. Space, right? Space, yeah. cheaper. Um, and so that was kind of all happening when I, um, you know, when I kind of first first started food writing. So it was a really exciting time, um, and I think it it inspired a lot of writers to st- to maybe if they weren't focusing on food before to kind of switch over into that arena and start writing about um, what was going on in that cultural sphere. Right. There's definitely, you know, you have, uh, you have people who want to read all about <laughs> rainbow unicorn toast or whatever. <laughs> Just tell me who's the best at this one thing, and, please. Right, and you know, and, and there's that too, um, which I think, you know, is necessary. We need to 
people are looking for the best things to do and the best food to, sure. to eat and the best avocado toast and what's trending and everything. And I think that's just as important as, you know, writing about, um, I don't know, different kinds of like endangered species that certain restaurants are, are using or yeah. shouldn't be using. Um, so so there's, there's both sides of the coin, but I think what's really exciting now is that the more people that get into food writing, the more... Um, the more voices are heard, the more angles you get on different topics. Um, so you get more penetration into a topic. Yeah. Some deeper actual education. Right. Maybe. It's a weird thing because with and you because LA is so big, obviously mm-hmm. the roof and the capacity and market saturation has much a larger hinges, if you will. Right. Where Austin is quite small. And even in the short period of time you've been here, can you sense or somehow see the writing on the wall a little bit that perhaps our stomachs are going to be bigger than our eyes and we may have an industry that can't actually be supported here. Yeah, you know, um, I, don't want to, I don't want to speak too soon. No, of course, of course. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely still getting to know the city. And um, I think there's, there's a lot about Austin's food scene that I still need to learn. Yeah. Um, I will say that the... Turnover here seems to be pretty on par with other cities yeah. that I've lived in. You know, restaurants closing shortly after they open or, or just the continual revolving door of restaurants coming and going. Yeah. Um, there is certainly less space to, <laughs> to spread out. <laughs> right. Oh, um, that's all the only way. Yeah, really. or, yeah exactly. Um, and, you know, that makes me wonder. And, and again, I, I don't know you know, enough yet about this, but um, whether there will be more dining destinations surrounding Austin than there are right now. Maybe people will be kind of flocking more to hill country, sort of, to go out and and spend their money there. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm still kind of waiting to... Kind of waiting to see how it plays out. It's perceptive of you, though. that It is a revolving door. It's it's quite difficult for people that I'm close to in this hospitality industry to find people that are talented and that want... To work hard right and as part of this change in food as as a piece of pop culture because in a way you know i love the food network don't get me wrong i love mm-hmm. chopped i'll always watch it no matter what <laughs> but it does in a sense give this no pun intended bite size bite size engagement with people into the larger celebrity of chefs right. do you see more of the star chefs and the star tenders that kind of mentality and that kind of coverage bubbling up here since you started writing in this industry? Not as much, actually, really? as, okay. I, as I thought I would. Um, and maybe it's just because in L.A. it, it is certainly, I mean, the, oh, yeah. the, the chef stardom there is just Insane, massive. Right? Um, it may have even started. I mean, I there in New York, did, yeah. <laughs> Wolfgang Puck might have, uh, you know. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, and, and, you know, through, through this job and, and writing our, our first issue, I got to talk to a lot of really great chefs, and I'm, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised at just how like down to earth and humble they were, and yeah. not letting anything kind of get to their heads. And um, I, last one I tried was R- Rene Ortiz at Laundry. Oh, yeah. He was just he's a badass. He's awesome. Um, so so yeah, I mean I feel like chefs here are pretty pretty cool and down to earth and and humble and doing their thing and. Yeah. Very much like Austin in itself. Yeah. 
You know, when I was in Shanghai a few years ago, mm-hmm. I used Time Out ex- exclusively oh, to find out <laughs> where to drink and yeah. where to eat. And it proved to be an amazing resource and of a different level of quality, you know, like mm-hmm. a higher level. So as a someone that's been familiar now with two markets for the, the magazine, and that's the right way to call it, publication. Yeah. What do you guys stand for? If you think about the term charter, right? What's the stuff that you say? Time out really is emblematic of this. These are the things that we want to achieve better than anybody else. I think the main goal always at Time Out has just been, you know, giving not only giving giving advice on where to go, what to drink, what to do, but in a voice that's like talking to your to your buddy. We yeah. like want to be your friend. We want to show you the town through our eyes. We want to um, be there kind of like with you and give you the best time possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and you know, we're all about fun and having fun and showing you the best parts of the city in the most fun, um, entertaining way possible and just really making sure that you don't leave a city having only experience like the touristy spots. Yeah like a local like you know we want to show you all the the hidden places we love we want to you know tell tell you about the cool people that we know in this city that we'd love for you to meet Mm -hmm. Um, a finger on the pulse yeah exactly and it's you know that's you bring up a good point about like hanging with your buddy a lot of the spots they they kind of sterilize the riding a little bit and you guys make it inclusive instead of exclusive because sometimes writers when you talk about maybe speakeasy type bars Mm -hmm. whether are a few here in Austin, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, and it's really hard to get into. It's secret, blah, 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 blah. But you guys are like, doesn't matter. <laughs> this is where you want to go because it's going to be fucking good. Right. You and know? even when we do tell you about kind of like the more hidden spots, yeah. sort of, we want to tell you this spot is, is hidden, but we're telling you about it because it's worth your time going there. Yeah. And this is how you can get in. And, and this is why you need to go there. And we're not just telling you this because it's, it's not just hidden. It's not just cool because it's hidden. Right. It's hidden because like, know you guys it's awesome and yeah check it out (laughs) that's the best reason instead of saying well i know about it we're like kind of ahead of the curve here guys and kind of taking yourselves too seriously it never felt like that with the way that you guys wrote the tone and i think that that's something that gives you staying power because people don't feel warded off by it yeah you want to let's do this together yeah we're a community and absolutely and again kind of going back to to the bar awards that's like i don't know it's a it's a very it's a family feel um, it's one of the the only job I think that I've had where I, my coworkers are are my my friends and family, yeah. and we kind of extend that to our readers. We want us we want them to be our friends and family too, and and just enjoy the city as much as as we do. And it's amazing. Come along with us, yeah. How did you guys end up partnering with William Grant Sons? They've been a great partner. They have. They have been a great partner. Um, they're fantastic brands. You know, when we were kind of we were talking with. Um, because Vance was, you know, on our panel too, mm-hmm. and and I was at that point I was telling all of our panelists who who all was going to be on the panel with them, and I was telling them Vance from Drambuie would be there, and everyone was like, oh my god, I love Drambuie. Yeah. We just, you know, we love partnering with people that we uh, respect, and we, you know, we love their product, and um, and they're fun and yeah, hilarious as you saw last night. At I know, <laughs> yeah. Words. No, they really are cool. Like if I was writing a sitcom. Yeah. I think I could pick up five of those. Oh, guys. yeah, definitely. I would have the perfect Big Brother kind of thing where they yeah. would just give me every bit of comic levity that yeah. you need, you know. But it's it's been, you know, 
really getting good to see timeout come into Austin. It was a no no brainer, obviously. Yeah. Any big new projects or new steps for you guys now as new kids on the block here in town? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be continuing um, to, to put out our quarterly magazine. Our first issue came out in May. We have our next issue coming out in August. Mm-hmm. So we're just really excited about, you know, continuing to, to put those out every quarter. Um, we have events on the horizon oh, that, cool. are, um, that are going to be happening, some rooftop pool parties, um, some tasting events. So um, that's something that we're really excited about doing. And then just more more awards and, and bringing the community together like, like last night. Yeah. You guys did it quite successfully. It was Thank a you. great vibe. Thanks. You know, yeah. it's about the vibe. Yeah. And it's a great group of people, and it was good that you rallied them together. Thank you. I think everyone had a great time. Absolutely great yeah. spots, too. Mescalera, Tobala, I mean, yeah. come on, <laughs> Drinkwell, Roosevelt Room, all great mates. Yeah. You know, so great to see them recognized. Cool. So I've got just two more questions okay. for you. And this one is, I'm really interested to see how you react to this question, but let's say you're at your favorite bar in the world, doesn't matter where, you're grabbing a, some sip of something you quite enjoy, and you can sit there and have a conversation and drink with anybody, living or deceased. Who might you like to just sit there and just have a conversation, get to know them, and perhaps ask them every possible question that comes to mind? Wow. Oh, man. And of course, the, it's one of those dynamic answers because tomorrow you may be watching a series of Alfred Hitchcock movies right. and think, oh, I'd love to talk to him. But what strikes you now? Wow. Um, oh, man, this is a great question and one that I probably should think about a little bit more. Um, I am just going to go very personally and say my grandmother yeah? um, because I, she was my favorite person in the world. And I, I wish that I had asked her more about her life. Mm. And there's a lot about her that I don't know. And um, she also was a super classy lady who I feel like I would have loved having a martini with. Yeah. Um, she never took a photo without lipstick on. And I feel like just sitting next to her with like her lipstick and her martini and just her glamness would be amazing. And just asking her more about her life than that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. See, I want to have a drink with her, too. Yeah. Some of those things. was like, yeah, it's like a great, <laughs> great lady. Great lady. Well, last question, because, of course, it's getting hot outside, and there's lots of great cocktails to be had. But yeah. what are you in the mood to drink these days? Um, you know, I went to the um, um, Austin Motel uh-huh, yeah. on Congress a couple days ago and had their charcoal popsicle in a in a in a beer oh, wow. a little shandy yeah and it was phenomenal and the like just the charcoal popsicle was incredible and the whole combination was really great and I think that was I mean it was I think it was like 100 degrees that day and it was the best way to cool down it's perfect so uh yeah that's kind of what I'm craving right now drinks with a popsicle yes no wiser words have been spoken <laughs> that is thank you for certain so aaron it's been really good chatting it's with you learning chatting with you more talking about timeout the bar awards and everything and you guys are doing cool stuff i thank you i want to see more and i, I will see more i'm really yeah. excited for what you're yeah bringing. there's definitely a lot of great content coming out every day and yeah. um there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming on the horizon too amazing Thanks. we'll keep on doing the good work Aaron. thank you Appreciate great chatting. It. thank you
Well, there we have it, Aaron Kushner, editor at Time Out Austin, the most recent arrival into this fine city of ours, talking about things to do, places to go, what to drink, and what to eat. A great publication that I've used all around the world, you know, when I'm traveling. It is a trusted source, a reliable source of intel when I'd like to get a great cocktail or how the hell I move a bookcase to go to the speakeasy behind it. So it's a great thing. And it's, again, really lovely to meet someone who loves writing. They love what they do. They were meant to do this. This was not a jagged path for Erin to get into Austin and write and be the editor at Time Out Austin. is a very clear path and something she's devoted to. And I suspect that there may eventually be a book in the works, a nonfiction book describing her life, her experiences, and probably some nice little mysterious things that we didn't talk about here. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G., no matter how much you are highly anticipating the new film from Edgar Wright, Baby Driver, which I cannot wait to see this Saturday, finally. Or if you're thinking, man, I really do love live orchestras. They're a great thing. Please keep dancing.